it's funny how we think that's creepy in like this, you know, s- serial murderer things where they're like, oh, to cut the guy's face off and, and put it on his own face. It's like, you know, I mean, he already, just already had that though. You know, that's yeah. already just what yeah. was happening. He just already yeah. had a weird meat face. Well, I think face. the creepy part is cutting off a person's face because <laughs> it's not supposed <laughs> to come off. Scotch. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 319 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the Game Dev Comedy Podcast, Butterscotch Shenanigans. I'm Seth and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam and I'm a skeleton in disguise. I'm Sam and I'm wearing a meat mask. And this is a show where we talk about life, business, and working in the games industry. We might have gone too spooky, it's not even Halloween yet. We're getting there though. Yeah, we're yeah, what's the valley of spookiness, uh-huh. you know? In the calendar, yeah, yeah. it starts getting spooky. We're in the uncanny yeah. valley of spookiness. <gasps> Yes. We're on the downward slope, sort of uncontrollably sliding toward peak spook. Yeah. I guess yeah, peak trough spook. spook. Peak spook. <laughs> trough. <laughs> we go, we're going into the spook hole. Uh, anyways, today's July 11th, 2021. Dunk on everyone. Uh, and before we go any further, there's going to be profanity in this show, you know, so just know that. Uh, all right. Now we have a, a new donation this week. Oh. From our uh, our people over at moneygrab.bscotch.net, Nova Does Bass says, Nova love your stuff. Bass. Dope. You guys are super funny and make my work days hilarious and fun. Keep it up. So thank you very well, much thanks. for the donation. Appreciate it. When you say the work day, are you like, are you listening on slow speed at one eighth X or so? So I'll that just stretch it all it the way It just carries it all the way through? Mm. Yes. The best is part is, the way? Yeah, if, yes. you, if you throw these things at half speed, people just sound very drunk, and it's kind of hilarious. So it's also a fun wreck. Or if you normally listen at one and a half or two X and then put it on normal, they also sound drunk. That's you know? true. What does that What does that tell us about what it means to sound drunk? You know, mm. It just means it's just a speed modulator. It could go any modulator. direction. Yeah. It doesn't really matter. The important That's thing weird. is that it's not your normal speed. Yeah. Uh, all right, you guys. Let's talk about life. I think. Yeah. Let's That's do it. Yeah. Sure. Uh, yeah, that. Sam yeah. has some kind of some kind of productivity app thing that he wanted to talk about. Yeah. So get in there. Well, so, uh, you know, we've talked a lot on this podcast about getting stuff done, about the more recent discovery over the last basically two years now of the fact that all of us have ADHD, which sort of showed up in late adulthood. Oh, well, no. It was uh, there the whole time. We, just, we found it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We uh, found it in late adulthood. And well, I, was like listening to, yeah, I was listening to this, to this podcast, and uh, this guy was talking about this thing he's working on called Most Days. Okay. And what it is, is it's an app, and it's on your phone, iOS, whatever. And uh, you basically plot out like your, your habit stack, you know, like the stuff you're trying to do uh, for any given routine mm-hmm. or whatever else. And they have a bunch of pre populated ones that are very specific for like anxiety, depression, whatever else. Basically, things that if you checked off every day or most days, you're probably going to be having a better time, right? So uh, so I, I heard about it, and then I just immediately went downloaded it, started poking around. It's actually pretty good. And importantly, it does a thing for me that I've always, I've always done, but with a bunch of other tools that weren't necessarily with me all the time. And so the, the interesting thing about having it on the phone uh, is that normally what I would do, if say I'm like, okay, I want to kind of get control of whatever's going on here, is I – Take a piece of paper. I write out like, okay, we're working on like more recent one was um, basically you know going on these walks every morning with my wife and then doing my hand stretches. So I got like a little bit of some uh, RSI in my wrist. Very important to do both of these things. Um, and so I had a repetitive stress paper. injury for you know just yes. so people know what that from is. from typing so hard. So uh, I have like a sheet of paper that has this essentially this list of things that like I need to do every. It's like your daily quests, right? Uh, so that's kind of how I think about mm-hmm. this application. It's like it's sort of like if you have your daily quests that you know would probably make your life just better to be doing all the time, but because you can't remember all of them because there's always a shitload of them, um, it's the sort of thing that externalizes this. But then because it's on your phone, this is the weird thing. What I found is that now if I say I, again, maybe you go to the bathroom, bring your phone with you, right? Because you're a person. That's what people do now. Instead of like checking anything, uh, I literally just pull up like, oh, what's my morning routine? Because it's currently, it's like before 10 a.m. What have I not done yet that I was supposed to do? And then like just start and then be like, okay, now I'm going to knock that out before I return to my work, whatever. Um, and so it has made it. So I've it sort of raised the floor and just the, the amount of things that I do that are, that are supposed to be good for me that I should be doing anyways. 
but that I have had a notoriously challenging time uh, figuring out a system to like, again, poke you at the appropriate moment to think about these things or to uh, keep track of them, whatever else. And so, so, how, so what you've different... described is a to-do app with recurring tasks. It so what is, is it but about because this? because it's not a to-do app with recurring tasks. It's actually it's but actually it built sounds specifically. Like one. So what? How it is sounds it like it. I would just I would highly recommend that you go try it because the the thing with a to-do app is it's not built for uh, it's not built actually for routine reuse of the same thing and tracking along that particular dimension. Right. Each time it's like a new set of those. Uh, instead of being essentially a process so to do is, you go through. Is, yeah, okay, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I'll, I'll have to try it, I guess, because like I, I, I've used to do is basically to achieve exactly what you described, right? Mm-hmm. I stopped using it because my wife uses something else and I couldn't find a way to like share chores and then I fell off the wagon, right? But, but it was – but I was using it for the same purpose because of the way the recurring tasks work where mm-hmm. – when you check it off, uh, it's basically like, so if the next day comes and you haven't finished it, well, it's still there. That's the one you haven't finished yet. You know, you check it off and that allows it to appear the next day and, you know, and so on. Right. So um, that's the difference here. So, it's like, it's not, it's not still there. Like they're, they're sort of, they're basically day bucketed, like little checklists of stuff. And it's not about getting it done. You, you just say like, not today. Like it's, your answers are either, yes, I did this today or not today. That's it. And so like, mm-hmm. I have basically seven things in the morning where it's like, did you, uh, I can't remember. Did you like plan your, did you plan your, take five minutes and plan your day? Did you like, did you visualize how the day was going to look in terms of being a successful day? Did you go for a walk? Did you do some yoga? Did you stretch your wrist? Like all this stuff. And then you're either just like, yes or no. And then it also has a mood, uh, a mood checking piece of it, like a little mood survey that you do every so often. So the intent is basically in the long run that you can start seeing maybe some patterns about what things are most going to be most correlated with changes in, in your overall mood and stuff like that. Um, because I've I definitely tried. To, I've tried to do yeah. this with with to do apps before, but they don't because they're not quite built for this use case. Well, they're not. They're not about tracking. Well, yeah, they're Correct. not about tracking. They're just. They're just. What do you need to do, and then make it so that exactly. you know what you need to do, and and know if you did it right. But but they don't track uh, long term patterns. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the other problem I've had with to do list things is that I I typically use them for things that I know that I can't remember. Right. Mm-hmm. So. If if something is coming up that I need to know that it's coming, if it's in a reliable to do system, then I you know I can put it out of my mind and not think about it. And whenever I start using that same system like Todoist for a bunch of routine things, yes, then it suddenly gets all clouded up, right? Yeah, and there's also those times where like you know you just have an off day and you kind of maybe just don't do anything, right? So you look at today. There's nothing today, but there's a bunch of overdue shit from yes, yesterday. Like exactly. take some vitamins and like get a good night's sleep. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh shit, those are all overdue now. They haven't migrated forward yeah. with me. Uh, <laughs> it's all. So I guess real yeah. Weird. I mean, I mean, add so, to your point. Like it's basically the case. That I've also built other things to do this using other tools before. It's the first one that I've been able to use for it, where like it fits the use case. It feels like the most appropriately, which is basically like. What's the list of things that you want to do to just be better as like you? And then it's your maintenance it's, checklist. It's kind of, yeah. 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 And then you just say like, yeah, I did it or I didn't. And that's it. And you could post it. It has sort of like a slight sort of social media feel to it where it's like, you could post those if you want, like you can post and kind of people can mm-hmm. see your percentages of completion and custom lists as well as ones that are built by psychologists that are like supposed to help you with whether it's depression, anxiety, whatever else. Like it's pretty rad. So I highly recommend it. But called most days. Hmm. I'm gonna check it out. Check it out. That sounds that sounds interesting. Yeah. yeah well, that, on, while we're on the topic, there's another. There's the one that my wife uses is called Habitica, which is uh, which is a RPG uh, chore and habit manager, oh, yes, whatever yeah. you want to call it, right? And uh, and so she's found it to be really useful because it's got like you know you, you level up your wizard or whatever you unlock. Pets and like that kind of stuff, <laughs> uh, and and the 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 problem has been that, that it works so well for her compared to all the other things that she's tried, uh, and it has garbage sharing features um, mm. that we can't use it collectively to like kind of manage our you know family chores and stuff, and so uh, and so basically like she's got and she like she, like she, everything else just doesn't work for her right so it's like that's the one thing she could use and has been using it, like it really likes it. Uh, so it, it's worth trying out, uh, but it does have this consequence that it's like just put me in a weird spot where it's like, okay, well, how do I sh- how do I share? How do I share? It doesn't actually. So how, do you can, how do I get integrated into these? Yeah, you can. You can actually basically link up with people 
on this thing. And then like, I could literally just take stuff. Like I could add your template or whatever to my list or just like add but, your but stuff. Can you, can you like mark off somebody else's stuff? No, 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 no. Cause I was thinking it's like, it's not well, actually, it's, thing is, it's not a true management tool. Yeah. It's right. That's exactly, yeah, that's exactly it is, is like, is the problem is I think what we're getting at here is that, is that, and we've also experienced like the, with the move to Favre we talked about and all that stuff, right. Is, is the, the use case, you know, mismatch, right. Between how all these things are designed and what, and what they force you to have to do to work within how they work, mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, becomes this big problem because like you're saying, like a, a chore is not the same as a habit, right. And what it means for you to not do a certain thing today depends on what that thing is, you know? So this idea of like, get a good night's sleep. And then like, you just don't mark it off the next day. It's like, that was overdue. It doesn't fucking do two of them right? now. It's, yeah, and it's, it's still on yesterday's list. It's still on yesterday's <laughs> list. But yeah, it doesn't make sense. It's, it's the wrong. I can't, it's in the past now. Yeah, I can't right. do that. Yeah. It's the wrong kind of tool, but the, 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 the issue then with all of these tools, like solving one specific problem that feels a lot like a bunch of other problems mm-hmm. is, and then also that then this is, is that you then like, you're like, oh, okay, like, yeah, I can use this. I can use this for that. I can use it to do list to manage all of this stuff. Right. And, and then you discover that like, are you, and if you don't realize that the stuff that you're putting in there means something different when it's being checked off or not checked off, mm-hmm. then the fact that it doesn't quite work for you, feels like it's your fault, you know? Mm-hmm. It feels like, because now it starts to become stressful because like, it doesn't it just doesn't quite match, but you're starting to put the stress on the fact that you fucked up, like you didn't do the thing or, or whatever, right? But it's actually being exacerbated by the mismatch and the and then you're not realizing that this wasn't, that these are different use cases that it's designed for. Mm-hmm. But if you do recognize that, and you're like, okay, cool, let me go try to solve, let me go try to solve these problems, right? There's no, there's no centralized thing, you know? There isn't a thing that just accurately and properly identifies the different kinds of work, right? Mm-hmm. And has different management ideas and workflows for those different kinds of work. Cause like also what's an alert mean for two different, like alert for a meeting you have today, right? Versus an alert yeah. for brushing your teeth, right? Those don't, those don't, those don't mean the same mm-hmm. thing, not even close. And so we find ourselves doing is then using one tool that does one job well and a bunch of jobs re- really poorly. And then we eventually fall off of it because it doesn't work for us. Right. Yeah. And, or we then get a bunch of tools, right? And then depending on the kind of brain you have and, and how good you are at like keeping track of the tools, then that may or may not work. But if you have ADHD, then that doesn't work because you need one fucking tool. You need to go to one place that you can always go to that's always there so that you don't forget about the five other tools, right? You could go to one place and have it all, right? Yep. And that just doesn't, this just doesn't exist, yeah, there's yeah. just no. It's a huge fucking I think, yeah, bummer. Well, well, we have kind of talked about because we we talk about these kinds of things all the time. Yeah, and how actually a lot of the use the usefulness of any of these things, whether it's like the idea of morning pages or this habit app or you know whatever, is not actually in the like constant long term use of the thing. Mm-hmm. It's that using the tool, even for a while, like yeah, three or four surfaces weeks, things and yeah. it surfaces problems that you have, lets you un- get a better understanding of what's going on. And by that point, you've reframed your, your thought processes and behaviors around some things. Yeah, it makes and you're stuff a little visible. bit of a, yeah, and you're a little bit yeah. of a better spot, you know, yep. mm-hmm. um, whether you keep using the, the thing or not. And also think it's cyclical, you know, because I think the problem that I, tend to have with stuff like this is I will go after one of these solutions because I have a problem, mm-hmm. right? It's like I maybe I'm feeling kind of down this past month or whatever the case may be. And I, uh, maybe I'm like feeling unhealthy. I, my exercise has fallen off, whatever it is. And, and so I'll get one of these things. I'll use that to kind of ramp back up again and get back on track. But now that I'm on track, it feels redundant to – constantly be checking in with this thing. So then I stop checking in with the thing. After a while, I fall back off the wagon yep. mm-hmm. and then it's time to move on to the next tool. Uh, so it's like, yeah, it like revs up and down, but you know, as long as you're like getting yourself back on track periodically, then I think that's what matters. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was talking about some studio news. First of all, sure. Has been with the studio for five years now. Woo, 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 yeah. woo, woo. Clap, 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 clap. Uh, Patrick so. puts him like, in there, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of a weird. Th- yeah, there's kind of a weird thing about work anniversaries too, because like the default response is is congratulations, right? But that feels I don't know. That doesn't feel. It's like a birthday, you know. It's like where it's like you don't 
like congratulations. Like, what does that, what does that mean? You know, what, what is yeah, that? It's, well, yeah, it's Cause not, like on our side, it's more like, Oh, thanks. Thanks for like being here. And, thanks like, for sticking and, it out and, with yeah, us. And like, and surviving when we like really fucked up a lot of things at the beginning. Congratulations and, and forever, to us the whole time. for him. Exactly. It's really congratulations to us. <laughs> It's like, thank uh, God, God, you know, thank God. Like, sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause I see this on like, like every time I, I look at LinkedIn and it's like, Oh, here's the 10 people that have had a work anniversary, you know? And I'm like, but what, I don't know how to re- like respond to that though. Well, you know? Especially cause, like, is it good? Is that good? Yeah, cause also so many people hate their work, you know? So it's mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. yeah. It's like, Congratulations yeah. feels like the wrong default for somebody's for been this. in a place for like you know thirty years and they like, all they can think about is retiring. Yeah, and they hit that thirty year and everybody's like, congratulations, you've been here for thirty years. And for them, it's like a it's like a sorrowful yeah. occasion. Like, oh my god, another bad. The only positive thing about this is that I'm almost retired now. Yeah, you know? yeah, it's, it's weird. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't think that's happening with Sure. I think he's I think he's pretty. Uh, I like oh, to yeah, think that Sure he's a long sure. way. He's a long <laughs> yeah. way from retirement, but he's uh, got so long to go. Yeah, I do want to say, because he, <laughs> he was actually the, he was the first person we brought on um, when we started growing the studio. He's been with us the longest now. And I think it's it's really neat as a as such a small team uh, to have someone who's been around for that long, given the studio's sort of, you know, the studio's overall duration. Uh, it does just feel kind of kind of special. And I think for me in particular, um, you know, sure, and I met at the at like a game dev co-op event. Um, and Seth, I think it was after a, like a micro talk series or something. Like you've been in there too. And that must have been yep. six or seven years ago then, whenever that was. Yeah. Yeah. A bit before that. And then we just kind of got kept in touch. And um, and it's been, it's just one of those, I think it is, it's a fun mile marker because like five years does feel different than like four or whatever else for whatever, for whatever reason. It's all arbitrary, but like it feels like a different kind of time passing. Um, and so, yeah, I've, I've been very, it's been really, really fun to, to have him on board. And he's been doing all sorts of just wilder and wilder stuff as the years have gone on, uh, starting from, uh, he made some game jam games with like a, a goat with a bunch of abs. Do you guys remember that? Uh, when we were oh, first yeah. getting started, <laughs> as he's kind of training up to take over some Crashlands 2 stuff. Uh, it's some other funny little projects like that all the way to now. Wasn't like, it, I thought it was that like you had to lift weights and then like the strength of your character was partially represented by like the definition of the abs on the <laughs> character or something. Hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Totally bonkers and hilarious. And then like he just naturally just shifted good. over to this sort of I think found a lot more interest in this like really deep technical, like just the weird stuff on the platform well, I side. Think, and- I think interestingly, we hired him saying like we need someone to take care of all these games that we've made. You know, like mm-hmm. we've got a lot of them and they're they're there now and people are playing them. And uh and the the title at that time was Game Mechanic. As in, like, we need yep. you to like get in there, and, like, keep the engines running, you know, keep tinkering with these games, uh, while we go like make the next one. Uh, and over time, his that that actually still has been his role, but it looks totally different than what we mm-hmm. understood it to be because it turned out that our biggest problem was actually uh, bug fixes and deployments, meaning like just getting the games actually patched and tested and delivered to players was so hard and so manual and time consuming and fraught with like with just human error um that that was actually why it was so hard to maintain the games it actually had nothing to do with the games themselves right and so so his whole role has transitioned into developing a variety of tools and tech that we use to automate all those systems and be able to easily deploy stuff to our QA team, get it tested, deploy stuff out to players and manage all those releases. Because I think, how many builds do we have of all our different games? Like 50? Just 40? You, you mean for like, yeah. like active Just, just active across, builds? yeah, across all of them. It's probably 30 something. Yeah. But anyways, like, because any given game, I think, I think Crashlands in particular has like 12 different um, yeah. actual like live versions. Um, mm-hmm. Levelhead has like eight or something. Yeah. So it's, it just, it starts to get to a point where even if, even patching one game is a huge undertaking, if every single one of those different platforms or storefronts requires like a big manual mm-hmm. process, you know? Um, so that, that became the problem that he actually solved in order to do the thing that we, that we needed. Um, and it's been really interesting to watch him sort of like take on all these, uh, new knowledge domains and, and work them in. So, yeah. 
Thank you, thank you, sure. Yeah, for, for sticking doing around all that. for doing all this stuff. It's been uh, it's been real good. And here's another five. You know, maybe some more mm-hmm. after that too. Maybe another, even another five. You know what? However, however long you want to stick around, honestly, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Let's keep it going. So <laughs> yeah, and yeah. I imagine if if uh, if Sherwood had sat down and tried to describe what like the difference is between when he started and like what it looks like now, you know, it would be horrifying and hilarious and very interesting. And I imagine mm-hmm. in five more years compared to today, it'll look well, it'll we be had the, the same. It'll be the we same had the level conversation. Of chaos. That, I think we talked about it as like back then it was wild, random flailing, sort of as a studio in terms of us figure, trying to figure out like what does it mean to expand, to bring people on, to like manage this portfolio, whatever. Like we just had no ideas. We had a lot of ideas, but we had no <laughs> read all the books. We, 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 you know, yeah, we read a lot of books and we started doing stuff. Um, but of course, all the books that you read are coming from people in a different context than you, so you don't actually know whether the solutions you're well, finding. And it's all work, survivorship you know? bias, you know. So, like, mm-hmm. just because they did it and it worked doesn't mean that's a good strategy, you know. Um, right. When it comes to survivorship, survivorship bias, you don't know what people are getting away with versus something being explanatory, right? Well, I think the big and thing for me too. I think is on average, people are getting away with stuff. Is yeah, the yeah. Reality. But also, I think it's it's almost impossible to know what what actually the next the next correct thing for you and your team is to do. Well, Even that's if because there isn't one. You know? Well, I mean, there, it, isn't, I think there, there isn't a correct next thing. No, 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 but there are, there are better strategies to like to go. Oh, there are better and worse strategies. So, for example, like, right. like, yeah, like don't hire people until you actually have like a system that handles your work, for example. Yeah. Because literally without the first one, you have a bad time. Right? It's like there's definitely a cascade of stuff, but I think yeah. at that stage, it's so you can't tell, you actually don't know what you should be doing next. And so you're trying to do what appears to be what, quote, growth, solving some of these problems. Uh, but like I said, it, it ends up being like a very flailing sort of sporadic bursty exercise that is full. Well, of- I think it's, it's like with anything. And I was like with like uh, buying a house for the first time. Right. Mm-hmm. And you get, you get, you get into a place and like, and you're looking around, you're walking around with the inspector and or the uh, the person mm-hmm. who's trying to get you to buy things so you get, they get a commission, you know. Uh, so you're, you're walking around looking at this place and like hearing about all the features, you know, and like kind of imagining like, what it would be good? like. Yeah, you're, yeah. Like, you're kind of imagining what it might be like to be in this space, you know, and whatever. And uh, and then, you know, and then you get a house um, eventually. And then three years down the road, you're looking at your list of all the things that are fucked up about this house, you know, and that – and that you didn't realize were going to be a problem or that became a problem because your life changed, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and like, yeah, you could, like, you can read all the books, you know, about like, what's it, what is it, what should a home buyer be looking at, you know? Yep. Uh, but in the end, like, the only way to actually learn about all of this stuff is basically to fuck it up. It's just the yep. only way. You just got to well, get in there and fuck it up. Yeah. I want to think about this like a bacterium. Okay. One, so, one bacterium. So, so when I made the game <laughs> Bacterium, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is actually called Culture Wars on uh, it is yeah on Amazon because it's actually about two di- two different competing cultures of bacteria competing yeah. for re- resources. Um, so the way that a bacterium works is does a biased random walk where all it does is it just it just randomly flips to a completely new direction. Okay. And and it basically just checks in periodically to think to, to to like think. I'm using this term loosely, but to think to itself like, do I have enough food? It's a it's a it's a chemical logic system that uses chemicals yeah. to compute logic, right? And it basically is, it's it's looking at gradients is what it's doing, right? So as it as it moves, it just takes a sample basically of like what's out there. And then it moves a little bit more and resamples, right? Yeah. So it's not, it's not it's not doing like a like a time based analysis of like is there more food now than there was? It's just like is there food? It, it now? is. <laughs> well, no, no, it, it, no it, it actually is over time because that's how the computer grades, ah. right? Because you need you need to know like if it's okay. increasing or decreasing, mm-hmm. right? But the way they do it isn't. It's not like they know that time has passed or or whatever, right? It's that the chemical systems are the, like the logic systems that are using chemicals to do the work are designed in such a way. That they respond, that they adapt. Because actually, how all of our chemical systems work, or, or many of them, is they adapt to whatever is true now, right? So, like when you, this is like when you get like a, a wound and it hurts a lot, and then it kind of goes away, right? Nothing has actually changed there. It's just that 
as, as that the, the neurons that are firing and like telling your brain, oh, this something bad happened here, right? They're all designed to basically adapt to every level they get to so that they can detect change, right? In one direction or the other, but they adapt. Also like smell, all these things, right? And bacteria do the same thing. So they, they adapt to whatever's going on. And then that means if they get a signal, things must be higher now, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So, so again, they don't know where the food is. No. They just right. know they that just, there's more chemicals than they there just, were. Yeah, they, they right. flip randomly and then try to figure out like, okay, I'm going a direction now. And it seems like now there's more food than there was from where I just was. So I think I'm good, right? And then after a while, it'll flip again randomly. And it'll just keep sampling and randomly flipping around. But it's, but it's even like more fun than that because – because the how far they because they can flip like in any like 360 degrees right like how far they flip and go again yeah and it's basically as as the amount is increasing they continue to 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 randomly change direction but in a tighter a tighter cone yeah a tighter cone mm-hmm. right and because they're also they're doing this in 3D space we're thinking of it kind of like in 2D like we're looking at a microscope you know it's happening in 3D space right so they're yeah they're flipping in 3D and then being like and then they go for a bit. And then, and they just keep doing this. And so they're not tracking at all. Like they're not, not, they don't have like a graph in their, in their brains. Bacteria brains. They're they're not, they're they're not keeping track of this at all. Right. All they know at any given moment is that things are higher or lower. That's it. Right. Than they were a moment ago. That's it. That's the entirety of the whole process. And that's all coupled to a, a movement system, which is basically flip randomly a certain amount and then move again. Do that for a bit. Yep. Take some measurements and yeah. then flip and randomly. So, again. So, but these are all coupled. So like the output of that computation is basically flipping or not flipping, right? And so on. And so they just like they just this is all they're doing. They're just doing this. They just flip and they go. And then as the as the the rate increases of this like thing that they're sensing, they flip less often and they go further before they flip again. That's the whole thing. Which That's honestly, how the whole system if you, had, if you described the changes in our studio, it's about what it looks like. That's exactly what, I mean? what it is. Yeah. Well, but but this is this is true of all all things. I mean, it, yeah. the, the universe is fractal, right? In the sense that, like every behavior that you see, like a person exhibiting, is also the same ex- behavior that all of the tiny single-celled organisms that make up the person exhibit, right? And every organization is a group of people, people. Mm-hmm. all all doing random flips toward nutrient it's, gradients, which is, then now the organization mm-hmm. is doing that as yeah. well, right? But the and trick so, is, and this is what we talk about in management, is is knowing which nutrient gradient to pay attention to in this context, right? What mm-hmm. are you measuring? Yes. Yeah. And, and remembering yeah. to flip sometimes, you know, because if you don't flip, even when things seem to be going well, as you're moving yeah. up that gradient, you know, you miss an opportunity where there was a steeper gradient, you know. But there's another problem here too, which is so we, we we talk about how like large companies kind of stop innovating, right? And like disruptive tech and really groundbreaking stuff always comes from nowhere. It yeah. comes from startups from the right? outside. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and the reason is that these these large companies have basically found their their nutrient pool, right? Mm-hmm. And they're like, we got to stop flipping. They just, okay, keep climbing, like they just keep climbing that gradient. Yeah. It's like, they're like, we're in it. We found a, we found, we got the jackpot here. This is our thing now. Don't touch it. Don't ruin it. Don't deviate from the path because we've, we're in it now. Right. Um, because there's a chance that if they flip in a new direction, that they will exit the, the nut- nutrient pool, right? They'll exit the cash pile and end up somewhere else. Right. So instead, when you've got these startups, like they're starving, they have no nutrients, they have no cash. They're just flipping around doing totally random shit. And most right? of them die. Most of them die. Yep. Uh, most of them don't make it. And at a certain point, one of them finds something, you know, quite juicy mm-hmm. and, and delicious. Starts moving starts, up that gradient. Starts snacking on that thing, moving up that gradient, getting real big. And then a giant bacteria company just comes along and is like, zonk, and just eats them, right? Yep. Uh, and and absorbs all the nutrients. So like, this is all just, it's all just like, it's all happening so the same say, way at all scales. <laughs> you know, metaphorically, would you say that leadership then on this level is is essentially effectively knowing which one of these gradients to pay attention to for your particular you know, bacteria, and then also uh, it's managing things. the flips. Yes, it's yeah, it's yeah. deciding what your how you are measuring your nutrients and deciding how you're going to use that information to inform when and what direction to flip. That's, That's it. it. 
That's just, those are the two parts, which like, I mean, there's a re it's, it's interesting that people call it like a pivot, you know, in a company, which is a very like, um, physical gainer instead. Cause it'd be more, mm -hmm. well, cause a gainer, if you do a gainer, you're still going the same direction at the end. Yeah. Sometimes though, sometimes (laughs) though you you just decorated it. I think large companies do gainers because they keep going the same direction, but they just look fancier. They're like, look at our look at our logo redesign. You know, the biggest thing we did this year. And it's like you've changed nothing. You just did a gainer. It's a gainer when you when you (laughs) rebrand something, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like we're not changing anything fundamental here, but we're going to do a flip. Yeah, otherwise it actually is. (laughs) Yeah, and and, and the thing is, like a sick gainer might draw attention. You know, it might. That's true. Increase it might increase the steepness of the gradient that you're on because you drew attention. People start throwing more chemicals into the gradient pool. You know, mm-hmm. like it's a, it's like a mating dance, so like a like a bird with a lot of weird like colorful true. feathers on yeah. it. You know, it's like okay, you got some attention there, and you might have increased your chance of success. Yeah. But like, so it's not to say like that's not one of the strategies. It's just that there are a bunch here. You know, like the first step is accepting that the world is chaos. You know, and you can't predict what's going to happen. And so if you just keep moving up the same gradient, that's all you do. You just keep moving up that thing, then you're not. You're just not ready. You're not sampling the other things that could be right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you got to just. Well, and I yeah. think we actually we did. I think we talked about this in the podcast, though maybe we did. We had a conversation recently about the same concept in in math for, uh, or I guess more of a simulations, I guess. But it's when you're trying to when you're trying to solve a, a complicated problem that that isn't solvable that has like 10 different values that can all change seemingly independently. Right. And you're trying to figure out like, what's a good, what's a good set of values here. Right. But any yeah, one good? change. When can I stop? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, any, yeah. yeah, exactly. Any, any one change affects the whole thing. And so like, how do you, it's like, you can't just look at it and be like, Oh, if I just set all of these to these specific things, like that's the best outcome. That's right? the best. Yeah. yeah there's a, there's just no way to do yeah. it for these certain kinds of, of problems. And so though the way that people solve it, there's a name for it. I can't remember what it's called, but there's a there's a, a, a way you do, which is you literally choose random values. Like you choose a starting set based on some. You have some rationale, and you're like, "Here's my starting numbers." Is this what the means, Monte Carlo right? is, or is that something else? I can't. Yeah, it's, it's one of these concepts, and I can't remember which one which one is assigned to which idea. Mm-hmm. But like, so you have all these. So you have all these like things. You choose a value, and then you choose a bunch of rules for how they randomly change, right? And and you also choose. Uh, there's, and there's basically there's like a, there's a, also a probability of how big the change is, right? So then all that happens is you you have what they I can't really call it. it's like a uh, there's a metric that you compute then because once you have a bunch of numbers you just get a value at the end right so there's some metric and you in if if it's bigger it's good and if it's lower it's worse or whatever you just decide what same that shit is, right yep yep so you just decide what is good and what is bad so that then you know what's worse and what's better based on this thing right and then you just say okay there's no way for me to know what the best outcome is here right so you just start randomly choosing numbers right and as as the value improves compared to the prior value, you change certain values more slowly, right? So you and flip so your bacteria at a You flip your bacteria, but now, it's like, right. now you've, got a, you've got a line of like 10 bacteria that are all cut, that you're flipping all of them, right? And trying to figure out, because yeah. like, because you don't even know how the gradient works, right? Uh, you just know, like, so say, say, say your gradient's like making more money, right? Well, that's a combination of the outcomes of like the people that you have doing stuff, the thing that you decided to do, what the market looks like, blah, blah, blah. There's a jillion gradients happening at once. And you're trying to measure it with one thing, which is like, how successful is my company at making money or whatever, right? Which is a, a really bad proxy for infinite variables, right? Mm-hmm. And so the way that you do this is, like, is literally you say, like, you just say, there's no way to know. So we try things randomly and look at the result, which, you can do in a simulation, right? And part of that process too is as things get better, you still allow for a small proportion of large random jumps. Mm-hmm. Because the idea here is that even though, pivot. yeah, even if this method allows you to, <laughs> to eventually like coalesce to uh, a peak value where now if you tweak the numbers a little bit, you can't get any better, right? That doesn't mean that if you had a different starting point, you would end up yep. there again. You might end up somewhere much higher local and a different peak. It's a local maximum versus a global maximum, right? Mm-hmm. And so in the same way that in a simulation with actually a small number of unknowns, there is no answer. And you can never know if you found the best one. And the best way to get a good one is to do random stuff and, to, and then measure the outcome, right? And yeah, then every once in a while, try something really random to see if mm-hmm. that got you something better, right? Yeah. Now, I will say, this is, I mean, here's the thing. This is just how everything happens, right? This is how people make life decisions. This is how companies pivot. This is how companies are founded. Mm -hmm. This is, this is how everything happens. 
but it doesn't build a lot of like shareholder confidence if in your quarterly earnings report you're like, okay, here's the thing. Things may or may not be good. We don't really know. There's no uh, way to know. There's no way to know. There's a lot of things that we have assumed and we feel like maybe we've hit a local maxima. So we're going to start doing some random stuff and see what comes out the mm-hmm. other side. Right. Yep. But that is what happens that. when, I mean, like, that's when a company what you're buys do. another company. That's what's <laughs> happening, right? When a company yeah. is like, that's true, yeah. oh, we're having trouble like finding a way to innovate and we're like, we think things are getting stale, right? They buy another company. That's what they always do every time, right? Because there, there are actually known mechanisms by which you can you can basically explore other maxima, right? This is also what R&D teams are for inside of companies, right? Is, is to stumble across that next thing. But just how successful those are comes down to how much resources they're given and how wide of a range of values they can explore, you know, uh, and how effectively they can do it. Um, yeah. Well, I think so this brings us to our, well. it brings us to our next thing though, which is we just did our quarterly, uh, lens exercise this past mm-hmm. Friday. So we flipped. And we flipped. So I, I think, yeah, long-time listeners know every three months we do quarterly, every three months uh, a lot of things change because Chaos. it's it's a it's a way that we take a step back and really try to look at uh, our business f- and maybe the games we're making, whatever we're doing through a different lens and then uh, see what that Basically a different does. sensor. We're sensing gradients, right? And we're like, okay, what sensor are we going to use this time? Uh, and what measurement are we, you know, using that sensor for, and what does that look like? Yeah. You know? And so the past ones, uh, the first first quarter was basically ask, just asking the question, or basically more so making the statement: Can we make Crashlands two game of the year and have a symphony orchestra playing the soundtrack uh, at the game awards? Mm-hmm. How how could that be a thing that we do? That was like essentially the setup. Yeah. Of what, what would it look like if we were trying to make that happen on purpose? Yes. And then uh, the next one was. The question of, or basically the the statement about how compound interest works, which is over time, little changes that you make become a big fucking deal, essentially. Uh, but you need to be aware of those. You need to be able to to make those changes and track them and be consistent with them in order to actually see the results in a very long term way. So, how do we think about our work with regards to this? If everyone's one percent more effective over the course of this week, what does that mean? And then the mm-hmm. most recent one, uh, and that's the one that triggered all of our to- shuffling of uh, work schedules and and all of that stuff. Yes. Yeah. So now, yeah, now we're on, uh, everybody works. Yeah. We have this like seven hours, but kind of however you would like to arrange it throughout the day, except for one point where everybody checks in and that's yeah. it. Um, and then now this most recent one was, uh, a different lens entirely that Adam put together, which was this question of what's the actual human experience of all the facets of the work that you do and what is the work that you do? How does it relate to everybody else in here? And how do you then relate to them in terms of what you're putting on them versus getting from them. Um, and this to be like this whole bacteria gradient thing basically speaks to me exactly in this way, because essentially asking the question like, okay, here's a new lens, which is uh, we've always talked about how work is a thing that we should just be having a very good time doing. That's sort of, it's one of the rules, right? Yeah. And not and just, this, this, is a, and this is a nuanced one that like, that it, because we, we always say it in this way. And I, and I want to make sure that people aren't, misunderstanding the nuance here, right? This doesn't mean you're like at your keyboard singing and having a blast and like, and, and don't have any, a single anxious moment and, and any of that kind of stuff, right? It means that, that the work that you're doing seems to be worth doing. So there's a value in it, right? And you have what you need to have the best time that is possible or the least bad time, however you want to put it, right? Uh, doing that stuff. You know, like you've got what you need, uh, you've got the skills, you've got the resources. Yeah, it's not uh, to say that a thing seems worth doing. Or that it's yeah. not challenging, right? Because that's yeah. not. Or even that it's always something you want to do, you know? Mm-hmm. But it's that doing it is still fine, even if you don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So we took this big inventory then of, of, uh, of all the stuff we've been doing in the studio, how we've been working on things. And uh, safe to say, we're going to be, we're going to be pivoting again to our little bacteria over here. Adam, do you want to? Yeah. So the new, you know. basically the, the, the realization that we all had was that we are, the three of us are, ha, have been basically the board of directors, the shareholders, the C-suite, you know, whatever, chief, chief executive officers of various sorts uh, and employees, right? And also the bosses of employees. Um, and then also the product designers, the people doing all the, anyway, the point is we wear all of the hats, all of the time, right? And and all of our decisions, which we normally talk about in a really positive way, are made at, with consensus. It's always like, okay, like somebody thinks they sh- we want to do something, so then the three of us talk it out and whatever, right? 
And uh, while we want to keep the consensus angle, the problem is that when it, when it just when it stops there, and that's how it works, then there's really diffuse responsibility, right? Nobody's actually responsible for the success of this company, right? It's just the three of us are like just doing stuff we think matters, right? And that's that's kind of it, right? And then trying to convince you that certain things matter, but then even if we do, at the end of that we all agree, no one's supposed to make sure that that thing happens, you know? Mm-hmm. And so. Eventually, and, someone just kind of claims it themselves, and yeah, or does it. through, or <laughs> <Right>. not, <laughs> or not, and so and so, so we realize that, and then at the same time, um, we're all doing all of this stuff as if that wasn't true, you know. Like we're all we're all like managers, we're all like we're like managing our employees in different ways. Uh, we have we just have all these systems in place that make it so that. All of us are simultaneously responsible for everything and nothing at the same time, right? And uh, and it's chaotic. Um, and so, so, yeah, so the, the end result of all this is that Sam and Seth both in there, I had put an exercise together to try to like surface this stuff, right? And be like, what's just what's the problem here? And they both came to the same conclusion with different uh, sort of things to do as a consequence, but the same conclusion, which was that we need somebody to be in charge, right? Yeah. The long and the short of it is that all three of us are doing all – all three of us each doing the same kind of work, uh, but with not one person just sort of taking all of it, which is to say this management stuff. Uh, if we said, okay, here, yeah, we wanted, we want to flip in this direction, uh, for example, who's actually responsible for getting us to do that. And then mm-hmm. even some of the day-to-day operational stuff of uh, managing people basically means that uh, for Seth and I in particular, the core product development, which is to say currently on Crashlands 2, previously on games like Levelhead, uh, is always essentially under the thumb of all of this other more executive level work, right? Which by and large has made us that Seth and I start feeling like we're not able to actually get and just we're not just not able to get enough time in any given week into the thing like like we talked about the next thing, our next sort of like local maxima jump, like our next our next big thing. Uh, to the point where we're worried that like, okay, you know, if, if over time, if we're not able to actually really do this flip, which takes a lot of this energy, um, because we just don't quite have enough bandwidth week by week, then are we just like slowly starving? To, are we slowly strangling ourselves? Well, yeah, and, even if we're, and even if we're not, even if the outcome is fine, that's not a good experience for anybody. Exactly. You know? Doesn't and, feel good. And that, well, was, and that was the goal for like, for using this lens of just like focusing on the human experience is that is that forcing people to not look at just what's bad, but also what's good, right? And try to figure out like, what what are just some things you haven't thought through and and haven't noticed? Because cause what, what I've basically been seeing, uh, I mean, in myself also, but what I've been seeing like in the whole team and everybody I know is just like every, you know, whatever, three, six months, whatever, a person realizes something that's been a problem for a long time, you know? Mm-hmm. In the best case, like a few weeks, but usually months and even years, right? They realize something. Right. And there were signals the whole time, right? Uh, good or bad. But there were signals the whole time that just you did they just didn't get into it, right? Because it's actually very hard to recognize that something should be treated as a signal and then also interpret what that means. And the same way that like interpreting player feedback, right? Because a player says, Oh, I hate this, so I'm having a bad time because whatever, right? And then the reason could be something else entirely, even though the outcome is the same. Uh, it's the same deal, you know. So so trying to surface all of this, um, uh, with the idea being like, and that was, that was the idea of the lens. Like if we focus, if we start with quality of the human experience as our sort of topmost goal for how we make, get things done in the studio, then everything else trickles down. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also that's how we make everything visible because the only thing that can make something visible is a person. Right. And the only way they can do that is by recognizing something needs to be visible. Right. Which comes down to your experience of the thing. Um, yeah, so it, a, so it was a good exercise and I just revealed this like, yeah, like like all of us have too many diffuse responsibilities that overlap each other in undefined ways, right? Yeah. So what if we quit doing that and then just had somebody be the person responsible, right? Yeah. So, so Sam says both proposed having a CEO. Um, and, uh, which and then, was my title, but I wasn't doing well basically I mean, we, none we of needed us were a, doing our titles we just we yeah. have titles because we needed we them needed to titles yeah. to found or to to become an s corp yeah to have an s corp everybody has to have a title so you know, we have this yeah. and and we list them and they're and they're not like wrong they just don't actually describe our roles really right and uh 
And yeah, and so so then we so we decided to transfer the title, but then now make it the, a functional role, make it a job, <laughs> a job uh, yeah. to to me, and actually in large part that's because we decided based on a lot of things that we can uh, we can drop a lot of the web tech uh, requirements for future stuff. So in part because we already now have it for like all the right async stuff and all the, also that like makes level head go right. It's already there now, so that's done. Um, and, you know, we're not doing multiplayer for Crashlands 2. We already talked about that a while ago. And so now all of a sudden, I don't need to be on the product team, um, which means that I can step back from these the, the technical building things aspect of what I normally do and actually run the business on purpose, you know. <laughs> and so so that's what we're going to try to do is now have a have a real CEO, right? Mm-hmm. So speaking of congratulations, you know, congratulations, yeah, exactly. Adam. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things too. It's like, you know, is, yeah, is that the right also, word, you know? Yeah, it's, it's also funny <laughs> to think that like, it's not really a, it's not a promotion because you're still going to be doing a lot of the stuff that you have been doing. You're going to be doing less no. of the, you're going to be doing less of the stuff that you were doing and some of the stuff that we were doing, you're going to be doing. It's so a, things moved around. It just moves <laughs> things around. Yeah. And I, I think the main thing is actually congratulations. It's just a different to, job. On, for, to the studio. In the sense, not that I'm out. not that I'm going to do a good job because it's who knows, but but of realizing that this was uh, actually a fundamentally broken feature of how we have done our business, which is that the business itself has not in in total been designed right, uh, and like in everything else we do, we like fo- we're, we take step backs all the time. We talk about like oh what isn't isn't working. We try new stuff. We do whatever right, and then when we get to that highest level of like how does how does the business operate as an entity? How does how does it decide what what chemical gradients to follow? Right? How does it know what resources it has? Like how do how does all this stuff happen? Uh, the answer was we just randomly sometimes one of us would do something, and that was that was the whole thing, which does work for bacteria flips, you know, in that sense, right? But mm-hmm. it needs to be a little bit more direct of a of a, of a thing. So I, don't know, I think it's gonna be very fun um, to I'm very excited to do this. I'm expecting lots of changes, but I don't know what those are gonna look like yet. Yeah, yeah. What, what I'm excited about too is kind of with regard to the product development side and, and Crashlands Two. It is the case that that if each of us is like one third of a of a studio executive, studio manager, or whatever, right? Because we've been splitting the responsibility. A lot of business stuff is um, sort of chaotic and urgent, you know, because it's a lot of it is is collaborations with outside. Uh, uh, business partners and outside entities who have inquiries. We need to set up meetings, talk about deals, negotiate things, whatever. And those are all sort of manual uh, processes that require sporadic intervention. And you have to keep Mm -hmm. those conversations moving, right? So they're time sensitive. And so whereas working on a, you know, multi-year game project is a long-term thing. And it and it feels like, okay, well, we're working on this feature and it's okay if that feature gets done, you know, tomorrow instead of today, right? Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't, it doesn't fundamentally change, like that one decision doesn't fundamentally change the course of, of the game. But every decision about the game is a long-term decision. And and if you have to if you have to keep punting every feature, every time you're gonna do something by a day or two you know, mm-hmm. uh, multiple times a week because these urgent short-term things are popping up that you have to drop working on the game to go work on business stuff, then that could double or triple the development cycle of the game, oh, yeah. you know? Uh, and so that's, that's another important facet of this is to basically say like, we need to, we need to be able to just decouple, uh, who is who is dealing with these short-term things and able to do that in such a way that it doesn't uh, in, impede our long-term plans as well, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's all going to be, it's all going to be good. I think uh, I'm very excited about it and uh, you'll, we'll, we'll see where it goes from there. We'll yeah, see what happens. Uh, all right. Well, I think we have time for a question. Uh, mm-hmm. Probably just one. So, so as is customary, uh, yeah. as is, as is tradition. So this question comes <laughs> from uh podcast.bscotch.net where our listeners can ask questions and upvote. The high stuff, but a question comes from Bscotch Carl, so one of our uh, QA testers from inside the house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, who says I was doing some snooping on LinkedIn mm. and realized that one of your past employees helped to develop or at least market exploding kittens. What other kinds of interesting people have you guys networked with over the years? 
Who was the most interesting of all the people you've met? Maybe not due to fame, but just sheer, damn, that person is interesting. This is a bunch of so, questions all at once. So it's – well, yeah. I, would, I just want to kind of like zoom out on the question and just talk about interesting people. Mm-hmm. So here's my my take on this. I think everyone is interesting. Uh, the problem is some people refuse to acknowledge it and that is uninteresting. <laughs> so if you – like I've met I've met people who, you know, they'd be like, oh, yeah. I'll say like, oh, yeah. What do you do? Like what are you into? And they'll be like, well, you know, I like I run this, you know, consumer products division over at this like major company or whatever. And I'd be like, oh, shit, tell me about that. What's that like? And they'd be like, ah, you don't want to hear about it. And it's like, I just said I want to hear about it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Tell me about it. It sounds interesting, uh-huh. right? But people are so dismissive and they've somehow landed in a camp where they can't – they're not excited about the thing that they're doing. They well, are, they're, they they're accepted – there's like socially accepted things to be interested in, right? Right. And and part of what you have to do is you're playing the social game is to is to – show that you like are aligned with the things that are acceptable to be interested in. Right. And so, so like certain things that are like, you know, accounting is a classic one that people always fucking throw out. Right. But like Mm -hmm. accounting is like the classic thing that everybody uses in all contexts to refer to something that's boring. Right. It's like if every indicator in the past that like accounting's fucking dope. It's really interesting. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it's really it's, interesting. But like every indicator like around us is like, is like, yeah, nobody wants to hear about that. That's what the indicator is. Right. So it's not surprising that somebody doing something really cool, like managing another one, I've I've heard somebody uh, that they didn't want to get into is they were like a they they managed shipping logistics for some like big company, you know. And so I was like, holy shit, that must be like real. Like, how does wow. that? How work? do you? You know, how do you do that? What is, yeah, what does that even mean? And then and of course, well, you know, it's, it's ship logistics. Like, who cares? Whatever. You know, it's like, and, but and, and I don't know in those scenarios is like, is the person actually not interested? Right. And they're like, they're bored. It's the job. They don't really like it, whatever. Or is it that every time they have been excited about it and wanted to talk about it, yeah. the people around them signaled they did not give a fuck because that topic is boring. Right. Because mm-hmm. that's happened to me a lot, you know, mm-hmm. in my, in my earlier years until I surrounded myself uh, with context and people who I could just be excited about the shit I was excited about and they would be excited about that too, you know? And so, yeah. So I agree completely with this, with this problem, which is that everybody's interesting or at least can be. Right, it's just they've been shot down too many times, yeah. and they and they're they're masking their enthusiasm. And do you know what? Just fucking quit it. Yeah, be excited about things. And if yeah, somebody, because I've I've seen this I've seen this a lot of times where there may be like a group of people talking, okay, and like a bunch of the people in the group suddenly start talking about something that's like that they are learning things from each other, and they're kind of pumped about it, right? Mm-hmm. And then and then another person or another couple of people in the group for whatever reason have decided that they definitely don't want to learn about that thing at all. And so instead they sort of like loudly derail the conversation by sort of like, uh, by sort I don't know if, I don't know if it's like a condescending thing, but like sort of talking down about the fact that these people are pumped about this thing. Yeah, It often is. And you see this with everything, right? And especially it's true with hobbies, right? Yeah. Because, you know, as an American, a hobby is a waste of time because it's not generating money and whatever. Right. And so it's, it's even easier to be an asshole about people's hobbies, you know, but like people are into all kinds of stuff, you know, like, like, and, and, and stuff that if you look at it, you know, and like talk to them about why they're into it and whatever, you'll realize, oh, that shit's really interesting, you know? Yep. Yeah. Uh, but as soon as you're like, uh, actually my wife was talking about this because, uh, she's really into like calligraphy and like custom pens and like, it just like writing implements just in general. Right. Like she's just really into that, uh, as a thing. Yep. And and there's somebody else that she met one of her social circles who is also really into that. But in that same social group, which my wife is newer to, uh, she's never been able to talk about it because every time she does, everybody makes fun of her, right? Mm. For being into this thing that doesn't matter, right? And uh, yeah. and like, but it, geez, yeah, what, what, what an asshole you have to be yeah. to like look at what somebody <laughs> is pumped about. You know, like think about think about what you're doing here. Just like step back. I mean, most people have done this to somebody because we've all been trained this is an appropriate thing to do. So like. Everybody listening, like I've done it in my younger years, like whoever you're listening to this, you've done it, right? You've done it. You've done it. And I want you just to take a moment and sit with that, right? And think about what was the point of that? Why did did you you do that? Why did you do that? And now now let's be better moving forward. Let's not like, think about what that does to a person. And it's done. And like, I, I also guarantee almost everybody listening, it's happened to you. You know, you started to get excited about something. You wanted to explore something and somebody you cared about, right? Who you wanted to express the thing you were pumped about too, gave you shit about it. 
Mm-hmm. Right. They gave you shit about it. Yeah. Well, there's even, it even becomes sort of, there's like a subtle way that this happens too, which is people in a group setting be talking about something. Some person in the group decides, I think this is dumb or I don't care about this or whatever. And so they will look around the group, spot another person who they think might be on the same page as them. Mm-hmm. Right. And then say something like, Honestly, I don't even get this. Like, I don't even know what these people yeah. are getting. I don't even know what these people are talking about. Right? So, and there, so there's, there's a real problem here. Actually, quite a bit too. Oh, it like, does. Yeah, it happens everywhere. Even yeah. even when you're in the same industry, it seems like it shouldn't be a thing that's mm-hmm. possible. Yeah, people do the shit. It's not yeah, as, but as opposed to just saying like, "Wow, like these people are really pumped about this thing." Here I am, and I maybe like I don't know about this. I'm going to try to engage. And at the very least, like I'm going to listen and see if I can sort of like get it a little bit, like get yeah. to hold into the but, but there is there is a challenge. I mean, because there is a real challenge here too, as, as when you're the out. So, so the case of like when you're the group uh, and there's somebody, there's a, there's the minority opinion is that something is interesting. Like there's no way around you're being an asshole. There's no way around that if you shit on that thing. But there's the other <laughs> way around, right? Where there's now a group of people where there's now a minority coming in who doesn't know about that same thing the rest of the group is. So like for my, a lot of my experience with this is uh, when my wife was in medicine and I would go to uh, oh, her, yes. like work events, right? And, and you know, doctors, like doctoring is one of the worst jobs there is. It's horrible. It's miserable. <laughs> and so, and it's also one of the most like technical and skilled and like knowledge-based roles also, right? It's also one of the most bureaucratic institutions that there is, right? So you take all of these things, Right. Uh, and the amount, like the just the degree to which a person in medicine talking about doing medicine is a different world from any other world, right? So, so you take that scenario and now you go into there as the outsider where you're – because like I'm very interested in all of this stuff. But I can't follow anything, right? Because yeah. <laughs> I'm being – I'm not being excluded actively. I'm just not being included because everyone is in their world and there's no – entry point for me, right? There's no way for me to be like, oh, what does that really specific thing mean? Because I don't know what anything means, right? And so right. so this is the real scenario where, where now this is actually a tricky, nuanced, real problem is how do you now as the person who's being left out indicate that, right? Without being an asshole about it. But how do you indicate the, that when the people around you are not intentionally leaving you out, but definitely are, you know, like how... Mm-hmm. And as you, as part of that group, how do you recognize that that's happening to somebody, right? Like that, that at that point, this is this is not your your responsibility in the same way that, like, let's say, and this again, same back to conferences. Yeah, what happens at, at, especially at, at conferences, these gatherings is like people will form sort of like a circle or whatever. Yeah, so it always happens. Right. Just a table, there. just standing. People there. stand in a circle. They'll be talking about something, and some person who is by themselves trying to find a group or trying to find people to talk to will kind of like drift and like into the circle, mm-hmm. right? And then- Which is like also, think for a second about, you know, that because you also, we've all been there, right? But so think about what that was like, you know? And I imagine, and if for some reason that hasn't been experienced, like think about what that's like, right? It's like, it's you feeling like alone and you don't know people and you don't like, and you see a group and you don't know, it's like, are these friends? You, are these like- Yeah, and you hear them, they're talking about something you're like, oh, I want to be involved, you know? right? Yeah. And so you kind of you kind of like pop into that circle, and then nobody fucking acknowledges that you yeah. are there, right? Nobody ropes you in, and that is, I think, the the key is that it's the responsibility of the people in the the, the larger group, right, mm-hmm. to to be tuned in to people who may be being excluded or left out. And throw them a lifeline and like bring them into the conversation. Yeah. I mean, literally like a, a 10 second wrap up when someone new comes in where you're like, oh, hey, like what's your name? And then, like, eh. and then you're like, okay, we were just talking about this. And you know, so-and-so just said this about this particular subject. So about whatever. Yeah. Literally it takes just, no one gives a shit whenever that, like no one in the group's mm-hmm. like, but, but I think the other interesting thing about this, when we were talking about kind of what these reactions are people have, and we're talking about being a person in a group uh, who, who seems to explicitly not care about what's happening because people are starting to nerd out a little bit. Um, and even comes off in some sort of weird, aggressive manner. Uh, I do think a big part of that is there's a lot of tendency to feel like if you don't know, if you don't know already about a thing, a lot of people feel bad about that or about surfacing. There's, an, there's an insecurity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Of, and so I think a lot there, of it there's also gets, a feeling of being left out because it feels like it's happening at you, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and when so, it's not though, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so I think there's, there's an interesting piece there, which I think it's, it's far less about more often, I think it's far less about people trying to like, uh, you know, act like actually actively not caring about a thing and far more about the insecurity of not already knowing about a thing venting in this really weird sort of a way yeah. where well, it comes people's out like, insecurities 
turn just come out as assholery is basically what yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's like so you go from being like well i don't really know about this thing uh so i'm gonna like try to find someone to kind of also be with me about not knowing about this thing uh because i don't want to i don't want to ask everybody which is a big thing to be like hey what the fuck does this what are you talking about what does this acronym mean <laughs> that these doctors just threw out why is that a problem i don't understand you know and because it, it can feel like you're just kind of wedging in um even though most yeah. often again you're just asking as soon as you're asking people to nerd out more about whatever they're talking about. Very few times, very few times in my life have I seen that be like actually a problem for mm-hmm. the group at large. Usually people are like, oh, yeah. oh let me get in there. About oh, we this get, fucking we abbreviation. Get to teach this. Yeah, but, there, but there still is, because this is actually, there's a, I don't know if we mentioned the podcast before, but there's a book called The Art of Gathering, which so good. you, everybody just, whatever you're doing, drop it, go read this book. Uh, and, and it's one of those things, it's like everything in there, you're like, well, yeah, duh, as you read it, but you're not doing any of those things, I promise you. Right? <laughs> yeah, but as you read it, you're like, oh yeah, fuck, I should be doing that, right? It's like the uh, Esther Perel for relationships version of, uh, for gathering, right? Where it's like someone who's just very clearly thought through all this stuff and mm-hmm. articulated it in ways that maybe you yeah. sort of felt before, but made the stuff visible. Right. Yeah, uh, exactly. And yeah. And, and actually one of the keys to that too is because, because we're talking here about the idea of like somebody being left out and like trying to bring them in and, and whatever. Uh, but there are scenarios where that's not possible because of the kind of gathering. Right. So, so an example is, and this is at some point I stopped going to these, these events with my wife, right. Because there wasn't a way for me to be included because the gathering the gathering's purpose was to bring a bunch of medical people together and basically let them vent about how much it sucks to be a doctor, right? That's, that's, that's its purpose. And the amount <laughs> so of like knowledge of what's there? going on, I can't, I, it's not possible for me as an outsider to have a role there, right? So the real problem was not that like I was there and I didn't know what to do. And I was like, and, I'm, and I didn't, I never tried to like derail a thing, but I mostly just like sat by myself and like, you know, didn't do anything, right? Uh, or, or if there was somebody else, another spouse who was also left out, then like, so, so often what happens there in those situations is like the spouses, if it's a work event, go like hang out with each other, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, or, or whatever. But there's a reason there. And it's because that event was poorly fucking designed, right? It does right. not you make have been any invited. sense. I should not have been invited. Correct. And people because, feel bad about excluding you because apparently like, that's supposed to mean something, but like that would have been doing you a huge favor yeah. if they were like, they were like no plus ones, doctors only. Yeah. Right. Like that's and what it would have been. It improves the event importantly, right? The purpose improves of the, the event. event. Like everybody, everybody has had a better experience because now there's no sense of guilt as a spouse of being like, oh, this is going to be miserable for me, but I like have to go to show support. Mm-hmm. Right. Or, or of like your spouse agreeing with you, but then being like, but then now you feeling weird because everybody else will bring their spouses and you don't want to make them mm-hmm. look weird for, you know? So, so now all of a sudden this like complex social dynamic gets assembled with the end result that everybody has a worse time for no fucking reason. Right. And so this, this piece of like who is being invited and what the gathering is for is like, is the final piece of this whole puzzle, right? Because at a, at a, at a games convention, everyone there is into games. That's why they're there. Right. They're into very different positions of it, though. And depending on the part that you're in, you may or may not really be able to meaningfully understand or contribute uh, to some conversation that's happening. Mm-hmm. Unless they, like, wheel it all the way back to, like, oh, let me teach you how to be – like, to, let me teach you how to be a doctor. It doesn't make any fucking sense, right? That's, mm-hmm. that's an absurd thing to do. But in that context, like, if somebody comes in because they heard something familiar or whatever, right? Like, in the context of a convention and people self-select themselves into a group, like, they're there – Almost did, like they might not have, there was still maybe knowledge asymmetry. There's all this kind of stuff. I mean, they still might have trouble following along and so on. Who knows, right? But they're there on purpose. They've gathered themselves, right? And, and so. Well, kind of. Because again, back to exclusion, right? Like half of the people yeah. at GDC are people trying to sell advertising services. Yes, right. Yeah. You don't know who is, who are those people. Yeah, so right? you don't know who you can talk to. So every later. conversation is a minefield of yeah. like trying to figure out whether this person is about to launch into a pitch and try to get money from you, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so that that ruins the event. Yeah. Well, and also you know? a lot of people are students so, at GDC, right? Which is which is great for them. But like if we want to go say like if, we, if we're dealing with a, a difficult business problem or like a negotiation with some large company and like and want to know how it went for somebody else or, or whatever, right? Uh, basically having most people around us be advertisers and students – means that we can't use that event for that purpose. There's there's no way for us to create a, a sub-gathering that does that because the gathering itself is too poorly designed. It's not designed in a way to actually allow for sub-gatherings that make sense, right? 
And so, right. yeah, so it's so a lot of just random stuff happening. It's just a lot of random <laughs> stuff. And, and so, and, but the result is yeah. that people have a bad time. Like we all go to GDC and then we all end up feeling bad. Like this happened to me every fucking year at GDC is, is trying to participate in things with people I don't know. And then on things that I can, you know, and that I'm not even acknowledged. Right. Uh, and, and like, it happens every, every year. It doesn't matter how yeah. good you are, how much, you know, it doesn't matter if you are part of that field or not, or whatever. Like we all have to deal with this all the time because all these gatherings are poorly designed. So, so that's like, the kind of like, the collection of things is like, just don't be an asshole, help people get in, you know, like acknowledge people and then make sure that the thing is designed to allow for the kind of thing that's supposed to be happening to happen based on who's there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that sums it up. Yeah. All right. Well, that's all the time we have for this week. Uh, so again, you know, congrats, Adam, on the move. Thanks or something. Thanks. Thanks, Adam, on the move. Mm-hmm. Thanks to mm-hmm. Sure for sticking with us for, for all this time. And congrats uh, if that's appropriate. Yeah. Uh, all right. <laughs> well, we'd like to thank our producers, Fat Bard and Jen Coster, for putting the podcast together. And thanks to our community moderators who keep our Discord running. To get more involved in the Butterscotch community, you can just go to podcast.bscotch.net. We have links to the Discord, a way for you to donate, and links to the archives. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye.